And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, your trusted lover of all things small business, admin expert, bookkeeper, well, just wearer of many hats, really, which is what small business is all about. And it's a bit about what we're going to talk about today on the show. Very excited to have a guest in the studio with me. We've got Ush Danak from Collaborate HR, who's going to be talking to us about... Well, it's a topic that a lot of small business owners don't know a lot about. It's certainly not something I'd heard of before I, I'd met up with Ush and definitely not something we apply to our business. So today I want you to grab your pens and pencils because we're going to have some great tips for you when it comes to HR and even running your own business and factoring in this um, very important aspect into your business. And that aspect today is emotional intelligence. Now, when I think of emotional intelligence... I actually think of my daughter, which is really funny. My daughter, Olivia, is, um, I would consider to be very emotionally intelligent. And it's really opened my eyes up to that form of intelligence that we don't normally think of in the school system. And I keep saying to myself, it's okay, sweetie, when you get older, your intelligence will be recognised because right now it doesn't tick the maths and <laughs> and the everything boxes and the literary boxes. Now, would you agree, Ush, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank Thanks for you. Coming. Thanks, Alexi. Now, would you agree that emotional intelligence is just not something... It's, it's a new word, is it not? It's a bit of a buzzword that's been floating yeah. around. Yeah, look, it's been around for a long time, but it's only at the moment really just getting traction. And I don't like using the term buzzword, but it is a bit of a buzzword at the moment. Um, but to be honest, I don't think people actually know what it means. Um, so everyone knows what IQ is, mm. and it's your um, intelligent quotient. And EQ is the emotional quotient. So it's basically using the other side of your brain. And hopefully we get to a stage as business owners and people where we can really use both sides and I guess look from a, a hiring perspective as a small business owner as well um, the, the most common mistake people make is they hire for technical ability and mm. I've done that in my own business as well like I've made sure I've had a really good you know solid HR person and what's really missing is their EQ so can they you know build those relationships can they build trust um, do they have really good influence skills can they sell and you know when you look at hiring you, you really do you need to look at the EQ component too. And with emotional intelligence, we're not really just talking about someone who's sitting in an office surrounded by other people and can they get on? I mean, that's that's kind of quite important and not something we often think about when we're hiring people. But it's also how they engage with not only the, the immediate office environment, but also how they engage with clients. And so we could be talking about someone who's literally a receptionist all the way through to absolutely an expert dealing yeah, with Yeah, so clients. it could be anyone. And I guess the area that I really like to focus on, um, emotional intelligence, is yourself because it all begins with self-awareness. Mm. Um, so for me, when I set my business up, um, you know, one of the areas of emotional intelligence is resilience. And, and my resilience was at an all-time low when it probably should have been in a high starting my own business. And it's just all those fears that you have you know, the stuff that does keep you up at night as a small business owner. And it begins with self-awareness and learning how to build that resilience up and build that muscle up. Do you think that resilience also comes from doing your research and making sure that you're fully informed and you know what to expect when it comes to setting up a business? Um, yes and no. I think you can still do all the research in the world, but um, if, you, if your resilience is still low and um, you know you haven't got a handle on, on those emotions or you don't understand what those emotions are and you can't connect that emotion to a physical symptom within your body, um, then yeah, research isn't really going to help. So emotional intelligence, are we, are we talking about, um, is it just an awareness? Is it 
the connectivity with other people? How would you literally textbook define emotional yeah, intelligence? Yeah, good question. So for me, emotional intelligence is really about being aware of the emotions you're feeling. But the key to that is it's around being aware of the emotion in the moment. So you don't make those knee-jerk reactions. You know, you don't want to be that person in the workplace or in your office that has just shouted at someone because they knocked on your door when you were in a meeting or when you had your head stuck in a laptop. So it's really about going, okay, well, what am I feeling right now? And how am I going to use that information to manage my emotions and how do I control myself? So, yeah, it really does prevent you from having those knee-jerk moments. And look, we've all had them. We've had them in the workplace. I know I've had them with my seven-year-old at, at home. And then and later on, I'm going, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and as you build your understanding of emotions, um, it, you know, you get a better understanding of, of what it means and how you link it to what you feel in your body. I'm going to be devil's advocate here. And I'm, I'm sure there's a few listeners out there thinking about this. Who's better at this, men or women? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I, I get that asked all the time. Um, I, and I'm, I'm not going to hang my hat on one or the other. Um, I, I think um, emotional intelligence is something that can be learned at any age. Um, and look, I've got into workshops and I think women are better at um, naming the emotion, whereas I think men are better at um, linking the physical side of it to to what they're feeling mm. um so i was talking to to gia this morning in the car dropping her to school and i said oh you know give me some emotions that you feel and she was like disappointed frustrated um you know sad how old, Hang on, how old is she she's, she's seven, seven. That's, yeah. yeah so it was pretty good whereas if i ask um you know a male in their 40s you know the usual stuff that comes out of their mouth is stress anger um you talk to women and, and most of their stuff is anxiety fear so mm. you know it, it, you can get common emotions if you want to sort of break it up that way but I think men are pretty pretty cluey with being able to identify that emotion and linking it to a physical symptom yeah talking as physical symptoms you talked about the reactionary nature of our emotions when we're in the workplace and how that's really important yeah obviously that can tie in with what we've got life skills that we can take home with us as, as well is it anything beyond that is it is it not just about the reactions but is it also about self uh, self-awareness and, and helping to control your own emotions. I mean, do we really want to control them? I mean, we're small business owners. We need to be passionate. We need to be excited about what we do. How much, when we talk about control... Um, is, is necessary. Yeah, so I think, um, like I said, it's about self-awareness, so understanding what you feel with that emotion. And then what you do is you use that understanding to manage your relationships. So um, I'll give you a really good example. Our lovely friend Geraldine, she's probably listening on the show right now. Hi, Geraldine. Hi, Geraldine. <laughs> so Geraldine's my um, accountant and I was going through a phase of having having some issues with my bank and they just weren't cooperating. And I, and I remember picking the phone up to Geraldine and, and I, I was like really really stressed out and she she got the brunt of my my stress and frustration um on that phone call and later on I'm going oh my god I'm an EQ coach that was really poor form and um, I rang her and she goes oh this is just it you know we are small business and you know we do use our close friends our our people to vent so um, I think it's just acknowledging it afterwards even you know mm. if, if you have had that moment and going you know what yeah I felt that mm. um, and it happened but I'm now aware of it whereas probably before I wouldn't have been aware that I 
had that knee-jerk reaction. Mm, that's right. And, and and that's maybe just an awareness factor and walking yes. away and the ability to apologise at Yeah, some and I also think um, is it's about picking up the emotion in other people. So once you've understood the emotions in yourself, it's about having that social awareness as well. Mm. So if you are leading the team or if it's a small team and it's remote, you know, how do you pick up on those social cues of, of what that person's feeling? And it, and it goes beyond just listening. It's actually listening for emotion it's listening for what's not said as well. And that's where becoming using that as a, a tool of being a good manager is so important. Yeah, you know? absolutely. We a get good so, leader. Yeah, we get so heads down, bums up with our own business and too many of us uh, make the mistake of working on it, not Correct. in it. And really, we are just another employee, but you are absolutely. also a manager and you're a manager at every point during that day. So being sort of tuned into your employees' emotions is good, but you've got to be compassionate as well. Like that's, yeah. that's the beauty of being small business. We're yeah, good at that. Yeah, and I think I like the word empathy as well. Um, so empathy is something that's um, not used as much. I think a lot of people confuse empathy with sympathy. Um, and empathy is really just being able to walk in that other person's shoes. So whether um, it's a client that you're servicing that's frustrating you or it's, you know, it's an employee that you've got that hasn't turned up or that's let you down, it's about having that empathy putting yourself in their shoes and going okay well what is going on with this person and what am I really going to have that conversation around so again being in tune with that mm, because those those disciplinary conversations are not yes. particularly comfortable they're, they're in a not small easy. team no so we have our we, we have our, our skill set and we think about how we can use it with both the colleagues that we work with is it an important skill to have with, say, something like networking or marketing, do you think? Yeah, so another competency of emotional intelligence is influence. So influence is really the ability to state what you want to state really clearly and powerfully and, and bring people on that journey with you. So it definitely in networking, you know, they talk about that 60-second, you know, elevator pitch or, you know, what your unique selling point is, is are you really clear on your vision and can you really, you know, powerfully and clearly say what you want to say in a short amount of time and, and bring people on board with you. Um, from a HR perspective, I've worked with a lot of businesses who, you know, they, they're great doers, they're great grinders. Um, and then when I say, you know, what is it that you want to achieve? What's your goal? They really struggle to formulate that. Mm. And and if you struggle to formulate that as a business owner, how do your clients understand that? Yes. Yeah, if you can't say it to people who are yeah. potential clients, how do you Correct. definitely say it to your clients? Yeah, so um, definitely learning emotional intelligence is all about, you know, how do you become more influential in, in what you want to say, what you want to show, what is your message, what's your vision? Mm. Mm. So yeah. it feeds through. So if we're really talking about something that feeds through to our marketing in some way, shape or form, because as small businesses, often what we produce is ourselves. And so you need to put yourself out there a little bit. And then you've got obviously the ability to work with others and your colleagues, um, if you perhaps work in a co-working space, you better have your yes. emotional intelligence switched on for that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, intentionality is um, another competence of emotional intelligence. And intentionality is really about um, making that decision so you're not procrastinating in what you need to do. Mm. And, you know, as small business owners, how many times will we written a to-do list in the morning and, you know, we've gone, right, this is what we're going to work on. But the intentionality just isn't there for whatever reason, whether there's distractions or whether there's priorities that are competing. And what emotional intelligence teaches you is, is that mindset of going, right, this is what I need to achieve. And then actually do the next step about this is how I'm going to achieve it. So it's beyond a to-do list, really. Absolutely. It's, it's tapping in that 
well, the mindset. Self-awareness as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really? and the mindset of, well, if there are going to be competing priorities, how am I going to be productive? What am I going to do? And, and really setting that um, intention to go, well, no matter how busy it gets, I know this is something I'm going to complete today. Yeah, it's really important that I get yes. it done today. Prioritising. It's a yes. form, I guess that's a form of emotional intelligence, isn't it? It is, really? yeah. And I think, you know, one tip if I can give you is um, with a to-do list, if you're going to start writing lists and you're prioritising against that list, write down the time it's going to take you to do that task. Mm. And that's something that people forget. So you can have a list of 10 things um, that you want to achieve in a day, but if one item is going to take you four hours, there's going to be a little bit of disappointment as you get down your list and you go, oh, I haven't really, you know, factored that in yet. It's a concept I've been talking about quite a bit lately, not only to myself, but just to other business owners as well. And that's um, the ability to be a bit gentle with yourself and mm-hmm. not, not set such ridiculous high expectations. Um, and this whole six-month, 12-month plan, I think we need to start saying to ourselves as businesses, 12-month, two-year and that's okay because there's a lot of other things that are wrapped up in the small business world and a lot of distractions and a lot of other th- aspects to our lives that are just as important as running a small business that you need to factor into that. Is that all form a sort of a part of, of you know, emotional intelligence, being kind to yourself, setting yeah, nice expectations? Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, again, back to self-awareness of how you're feeling. So with the goal setting, something that I work on my clients with is actually 90-day um, goals and 90 day plans. So we have four plans of 90 days, plan on a page, and the four of them make up a 12 month period. But what that allows you to do is it sort of gives you that check in at the 90 day mark to go, well, have I achieved what I wanted to achieve? And if I haven't, that's okay. Let's move it into that next 90 day block. And maybe it'll give you a better awareness of what the next block was going to be. Absolutely. You can manipulate it. Yeah. And another good um, technique is also is to theme your 90 days. Um, so have a theme. Um, so, you know, one might be, um, you know, marketing for, for the first 90 days. Um, second theme might be influence. Third theme might be commitment and, and have a picture. So Mm. find a picture, post it up, um, almost on a board. And then it sort of themes us to go, well, what are you going to generally focus on apart from the day-to-day stuff? But what is it in that 90 days that you want to focus on? So for me in the next 90 days, as I want to talk to you about, as I mentioned, is, you know, some of the small business stuff I want to do. So my theme is really connection Mm. for this this quarter. And you can probably, uh, I I do like the idea of a mood board. Like when they first came out, I was thinking, it's a bit through is it? I'm going to stick some pretty flowers on there. What am I going to be yeah. thinking? But in fact, if you make it quite specific, and like you said, if you block things out and you go, right, for this period of time, I'm concentrating Correct. on this. Yes. Let's find an image that gets me a bit excited. Yeah. And if you're going to be doing admin, I challenge all of you out there <laughs> to find an image that gets you excited about admin. That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> Getting excited about admin is is tricky. Look, we're going to take a quick short break here on Small Biz Matters. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. So we are back in the room right now talking to our fabulous guest, Ush Danak from Collaborate HR. Thank you for joining us on the program. Thanks, Alexi. Now, just before the break, we were talking all about emotional intelligence, uh, how that sits, what the definition is and and how you can utilise that in your business uh, from a day-to-day perspective. We talked a little bit about to-do lists and how you can factor in emotional intelligence into that. And it's a bit about connectivity with people around you and also um, having an awareness of what's what you can and can't accomplish. And I guess that's really important looking at not only a day-to-day level, but forward planning as well, because we have so many other issues, I wouldn't say issues, but other things demanding of our time, for example. And um, my suggestion is that maybe rather than having 
specifically a 12-month plan and thinking you've got to achieve everything in 12 months, that you extend that out a bit. But I do like your idea of the 90-day plans mm. because we have to... I guess the the business planning aspect of small business needs to evolve. I mean, how many of us have gone, right, I'm starting up a small business, I'm going to do a 10-page business plan and then I'm going to put it in the drawer and never look at it again, which is what many of us do. So revisiting that as a, I guess, a, a to-do list without being too much of a to-do list. Yeah, and look, things do change and, um, you know, it, this is where the resilience part comes in and I guess one of the things I want to share with you guys um, is a bit of a, a coaching, an EQ coaching technique. So if you've heard of the rabbit hole syndrome, it's where you have one negative thought as a business owner and that leads into another negative thought. And before you know it, you're down this rabbit hole and you really struggle to to sort of see the light and, and bring yourself up. And, and I'll share a, a personal story about mine and um, a couple of tips to how to help yourself get out of this rabbit hole. So there was a client I was working with and um, going really well and it and it just finished like and it didn't finish for any other negative reason other than that we did a really good job when we finished three months ahead of schedule. So there I was with my 90 day plan going, yep, I've got time to sort of replace that client and replace that income and had a client meeting and they were like, oh, we love you. You've done everything, you know, we needed and we're good. And I was like, oh, okay. I got in my car driving home and I could feel this rabbit hole syndrome and my resilience just go from like 10 to negative 10. And I and I just went into this um, mode of, oh my God, like this panic of I'm not ready to replace this client. What does that mean f- for my income and what am I going to do? And there's a really good um, coaching technique that you do and it's and it basically is a series of questions. So question one that you ask yourself is, is what is the worst case scenario in the situation? So because my resilience was low, uh, my worst case scenario was I'm going to have to tell my husband that I want to sell my house so I can keep my business afloat. Well, you just went to step 20 there, Oh, I know, you? I know. Like that's <laughs> what I was saying on my drive home going, oh my God, I'm going to sell my house. Um, I love Hornsby, I'm going to have to move. <laughs> and then... Um, I went home and I said to said to Nim, I went, oh my God, this I just finished working with this client. I don't know what we're going to do. And he's like, okay, sit down over dinner, Gia's with us. And he's like, right, let's talk about the, the seven questions. And he goes, well, what's your worst case? And I was like, oh, my worst case is we're going to have to sell our house. And he went, really? He goes, do you know what my worst case is? And I went, no. And he said, my worst case is that you're back to where you started with your business and you need to go look for a client. And I went, Good point. Oh, Very good point. Oh my God, that's so true. So um, with these series of questions, what you want to do is really ask yourself, what is the worst case in that scenario? The second question you want to ask yourself is, what is the probability of that worst case happening? You then go to what is the best case scenario that can happen and the probability of that best case happening. And then the fifth question is, what is the most likely outcome so for me, the best case was, well, it's opened up two days a week to fill up with a new client that probably might even pay me more. And business development work as well. And business development, exactly. And then when I looked to what the likely outcome would be, um, the likely outcome was, well, I was probably going to find a client within three to four weeks as opposed to the three-month lag that I, that I thought I was going to have. 
And then once you've done that, it sort of really drags you out of this rabbit hole because it's made you go, okay, well, I've identified the worst case. I've also gone and looked at what the best case is. I've now really gone, okay, well, this is probably what's going to happen as a likely outcome. And the last question, which is really powerful, is, um, you know, what are the steps you're going to take to make that likely outcome happen? So it's actually implementation. So it's not just sitting there going airy-fairy, okay, worst case, best case. Um, the last question is really about, okay, so if I want to find a client in the next three weeks, what are my next steps? What am I going to do to get that? And you know what's interesting is you went from spiraling down. Absolutely. With ask, asking the questions, yeah. you've gone back up. Going back you started up. with the worst case. You've worked your way up to, well, what's the best case? What's the likelihood of that? Yes. And what can I do to get myself out of here? Yeah. So, yeah, you really dug and out of the hole. business owners, I kid you not, when I speak to them and I'm coaching them on EQ, they go through this rabbit hole probably 10, 11 times a day with different scenarios but they don't realise they're doing it. And that's what is the stuff that keeps them up at night. That is what lowers their resilience. And going back to self-awareness, I know I've said that a few times, but it's knowing when you're having that feeling where you feel like you're dropping down that hole and going, okay, worst case, best case, most likely. And actually just talking to someone about it. So mm. talking to your friend and say, hey, this is a situation. What do you think is the best case or worst case here? Um, I use it for Gia. So, you know, if she's had a bad day at school, it's something that, you know, we can go through with her as well. Um, initially, when you have the seven questions, it feels a bit rigid and structured. But once you understand the process, you can almost just talk to yourself in the car on the drive home. Um, and the other reason I want to share that story with you is that, um, you know, I'm a work in progress myself. So emotional intelligence is something that takes time to build. It's something you learn over time, you develop. So, you know, don't expect that you can go read a book on EQ and, you know, make yourself perfect overnight. You know, we're all work in progress and we all need that support around us. Mm. And speaking of support, it's probably a good little exercise for our listeners out there to have a think about who would be the ideal person in this scenario to really talk through those seven questions with. It may not necessarily be your partner. It certainly most likely won't be um, a parent because there's yep. a lot of baggage there. But there might be someone who's another small business colleague. It doesn't have to Absolutely. be in your industry. No. Someone who's sort of going through the same process and you can trust with them because it's interesting what you were saying there about sharing your experiences with others. It is very, it really shows a sign of vulnerability. Yeah. And it's something we don't do because we have to be seen as successful and doing Correct. well 100% of the time. It's a very risky place to be because you can't be up all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. And just on that, Alexi, like, you know, with the whole world of social media, you know, we, we only see snippets of, of people's lives. Um, and I always look at emotions as actors on a stage. So you need to embrace you know the negative emotions that you are going to feel and it's like actors on a stage they're going to do their bit they're going to have their time they're going to walk off and new actors will come on and sometimes those actors will be frustration fear scared um, anxiety and I think if you suppress them it's only going to sort of build up and build up and build up and then you are going to be like a pressure cooker that ends up having that knee-jerk reaction. It'll just be a giant monologue that'll go yeah, on forever. <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, just embrace whatever emotion it is that you're feeling and, and don't be scared of it. And, and it will go. I promise you it but will go. Tell you one thing that is really useful you will get from your parents because they have a, a lifetime of experience is just some really good mantras. So something that my mum always says is, you know, you've done it before, you'll do it again. Yes. That's a really good one. Yeah. And, you know, something an old friend of mine once said to me when 
it's a, it's kind of tacky, but I hadn't heard it before. When one door closes, another door opens. And yeah. sometimes those mantras, maybe they can go up your mood board, maybe yeah. they can but just have them floating around. Yeah, and I think also um, one of the other things I want to do is really um, change the perception of the word failure. So for me, failure is something I actually look forward to. It's really? something, yeah, it really is. You it's don't something fear I it? embrace. Yeah, it's um, something I want to experience. And look, I've been in my own business now for three years, and there's been a lot of hurdles um, or failures, if you want to call them that. But they've really taught me a lesson. Like every single one of those has taught me a lesson. And there was this really successful CEO woman, and she is so insanely, incredibly successful. And she said her dad really, really shaped. Um, her success and she basically shared this story saying that as a kid she used to come home from school and over dinner her dad would say right what are the three things you failed at today and he did it every day pretty much her whole life and she would have to go oh, okay well what did I fail at or what was it that you know that didn't go my way he would then high five every single failure <laughs> that she had and give her a hug so that she knew that she was loved and then he said to her okay so what did you learn and it's not about not making those mistakes again. Like I'm a big believer of you will probably make those mistakes again. But it's about learning to go, what is the lesson in that? Um, and what have I learned? I'm so using that on my kids now. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and it's really good because it gets them to go, well, okay, you know what? Um, it's okay to fail. Um, and culturally, it's interesting. I just got back from Shanghai a couple of weeks ago and I told them that story and they were all just like, oh, no, like we are just born in a society or a culture where, you know, failure is just not acceptable. And we would never be able to even in the workplace, let alone at home, um, say something that we failed at. So I'm really passionate on saying, well, we need to change the concept of failure, of, of what failure means and look at it as a learning. It's kind of like chunks of society are improving on that. So mums, for example, I've been always very open and honest about the fact that I suffered from postnatal depression yeah. at a period of time. Um, and now that's that's quite openly spoken about. Mental illness is spoken about as a, a just, a you know, an, an aspect to life. Mm. Um, same with kids. We're talking about it more and more and understanding that there's a certain proportion of kids who suffer from mental illness at a very early age and how do we deal with that? How do we factor that into the curriculum and behavioural management? Yes. Do you think it's time for small business to start embracing it and start yes. saying, you know what, today was a sucky day. It was Absolutely. crap. I had a crap day. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And, you know, I am, I am working with small businesses and and I'm, I'm doing these um, emotional intelligence coaching plans with them and, you know, coaching sessions over three, six and 12 months. And it's only after the second or third session where they actually do show that vulnerability and, and, and that facade drops and, and that fear kicks in. And, and that's where the powerful magic happens is when you do let your guard down and you do say, you know what, this is what I'm struggling with. Um, me, myself, I've got my own coach um, that I still use um, two years into my business. And All we, the best we coaches have good coaches. Yeah, and we catch up every two weeks. And he, he is that one that I go to as my sounding board saying, you know what, this happened and feeling a bit antsy about it, what do you think? So, yeah, even the best coaches need that. So it's really important to have one. Definitely important to be tapped in yes. to, uh, to having that person to speak to. Yeah, and yeah. I think vulnerability, again, you know, it goes back to, you know, small business own owners wanting to go, well, no, we are successful. We can do this. And, yes, um, you know, I'm always going to encourage that positive mindset, but please don't forget that there are, you know, those issues that do keep you up at night or when they do talk to someone.
So just discussing, to recap on what we were just talking about, it's a really important thing is to think about that rabbit hole technique, those yes. five questions. And anybody who's just joining the program now, please feel free to get onto the blogs and podcasts page on smallbizmatters.com.au where we've got all of our blogs and podcasts there for you to re-listen to. There's lots of really great um, information there. But we're talking about, with Ush Danakir from Collaborate HR, we're talking about uh, you know how to use emotional intelligence in your small business. Just now talking about helping yourself uh, be more vulnerable, have a better understanding of the emotions, think about the reactions that you have with both yourself and the people around you. But what does emotional intelligence mean for the hiring process? Because I think that's when we really switch that on and we think to ourselves, remember we, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we all had those personality uh, questions? Yes, the quest- psychometric tests. Yeah, is, is yeah. that still used? I mean, that's corporate world. Is it that is. still used? Um, I'm, I'm a big believer of there's there's still a space for that. Um, personally, for me, as a small business, you can do emotional intelligence assessments, and I think that's something I would probably choose to do over a psychometric test. Mm. And the reason for that is, is because it covers 26 different areas like empathy, self-awareness, intentionality, um, and it gives you an understanding, a holistic understanding of that person. And then you can then have that conversation with that potential employee and go, well, here are the areas we need to work on. Um, and here are, the, here are the areas of your strengths and, you know, areas of improvement and really go from there. It's interesting you said strengths and improvements already at that initial interview process because I guess when you take someone on, nobody's perfect. You're always going to have things that they're going to be working Correct. on. Great idea to highlight to them straight away. Look, I think you're fabulous at this, this and this. Yes. By the way, we're going to be working on that. Yes. Let's readdress that in six months, but let's see how you yeah. go. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, um, as small business owners, we are really the experts of our industry, technically. Otherwise, we won't be starting a small business. Mm. So when we're hiring, we've got that gut instinct already about that person's ability to do the job. What we need to do as small business is to look beyond the technical ability and look at that person um, as a holistic person and go, well, can they help me grow my business? Are they going to be part of my business from a, from a bigger point of view than, than just sitting there at their desk doing that technical job? Um, you know, you can even hire someone that isn't technically able because if you've got the skills, you can teach them and train them. So, you know, I would rather hire someone that has higher um, EQ than IQ. Because everything can be learned. Absolutely. And often with us as the experts, we're often probably yes. excellent trainers and, and teachers That's right. in what we do as well. Yeah, so we do need to really think differently about how we're hiring. Now, there is something that every small business owner dreads when it comes to hiring people and probably the main reason why people are put off ever taking on staff and that is, how do you know that that person's going to stick around and not be a time waster? So what's the golden question <laughs> to ask, which is going to flag for you whether or not that person is going to stick around or if they're going to be flaky and annoying and just bugger off after they've learned something after five minutes? Um, I'm going to be quite controversial on this answer. And I'm going to say that I don't want to hire someone that is going to stick around. So what? For me, it's about hiring someone and going, okay, and having that honest conversation of, I know you're going to want to grow. Everyone's got aspirations. No one is going to want to go, I want to work with a small business for the rest of my life. I want to be the only employee forever. So I think if you are honest and open at that initial um, interview stage and go, okay, well, let's be honest. How long do you want to learn from me? What can I teach you? How can I coach you? How can I mentor you? And I think if you've had that honest conversation with them and they say, you know what? Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate the fact that, you know, I do want to grow. I would love to give you two years. 
or whatever it might be. And then you can go, okay, so you are then coaching them, you're mentoring them. And how good does it feel to go at the end of that two years, you've helped someone move on. So for me, it's not about hoarding. It's not about keeping them. It's hoarding, about, great expression. Um, it's really about going, okay, how long do I have you? Let's be honest. And if you do want to grow, if you do want to be the next EQ guru, how can I help you do that? Because it's about an abundance mentality. So I really want to mentor and coach people that work with me. And I want to encourage that in small business owners. And I think you're um, deluding yourself as a small business owner if you think you're, you're going to hire someone and they're going to stay with you for the next five to 10 years. Yeah. So maybe just plan that they're not yes. and, and be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it will change the dynamic of your relationship as well. Uh, and yeah, I guess that honesty is a great idea. I've never heard anybody suggest that because when they're drawing to the end of that two years, then you can have that open and honest conversation. Yes. Go, right, what's next? What are you going to do? How much longer have I got you for? Because then they can be, guess what, training the next person Correct. and there's a beautiful handover opportunity there. Yeah. There's so I, many, you know, we I lose people so quickly sometimes. It will change the dynamics of how you interact with that person. It will enable you to be a better coach and mentor, a better trainer. Um, and it will just, yeah, make a massive difference. So. And they'll never be a competitor. That's Correct. the wonderful thing. They'll always be there as as another person in your industry that you can yes. rely on and you can bounce ideas off. Yeah. Oh, my God, that is just a fantastic <laughs> revelation. I'm very excited. We're here with um, Ush Danak from Collaborate HR. My name is Alexi Boyd, of course, from Small Biz Matters, and we'll be back after this. So today we've got um, Ush Danak from Collaborate HR on the program and we are talking all about the use of emotional intelligence. Just before the break, we were highlighting the importance of using it during the the hiring process um, and uh, I just had like a full light bulb moment with Ush when she said, I love this expression, This is this. is you've got to put this on your business cards, uh, don't hoard your staff. What a fabulous idea. Why don't you sit down with them at the beginning and go, okay, Look, I've not got you for the next 10 years. What are your plans? How can I help you? How can we grow this business and then make you grow so that you move on to other businesses? And guess what? That person is going to be the ultimate referrer, the ultimate connector, the person who's going to take your overflow work, a great person to have in your industry. Plus, you know, you've contributed to the growth of your industry as well by mentoring somewhere. Great concept. Thank you. As opposed Thanks. to just hoarding your staff yes. and going, no, you can't <laughs> leave. I'm going to handcuff you to your desk. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big thing that that's, um, we need to not be fearful of, I think, because that's what we are. Yes, we of. are. We are. That's what we're fearful we of. Say the, we call them time wasters or we call them Gen Ys or we call yeah. <laughs> all the negativity. Millennials or whatever the yeah. new term is. <laughs> whatever the new term is, that's right. So let's talk about emotional intelligence um, and the application of that with your client relationships. Yes. Um, obviously, you've got to be tapped in. You've got to understand because we know what the stress points are for our clients because we're solving those problems for them. So beyond that, where does emotional intelligence come in? Yeah, look, I think it's um, building those key relationships and building trust with your clients as well. So I think once you've built um, a good relationship and you've built trust, you can have those difficult conversations that need to be had. So, you know, sometimes as experts in our industry, we do need to say things that might be hard to say and it's about having that courage to say it so um i was working with a ceo for a business and he was a typical micromanager and had really bad relationships with all of his staff and his turnover was really high and i got some feedback and he was open to it and he said yep you know tell me what people think uh number one he wasn't willing to accept the feedback like he took it pretty badly so that was one thing we had to have a discussion over but one thing that was really enlightening, and I think it was because he trusted me, he actually said, oh, I don't think I'm a micromanager, but I'm just, 
he set the business up with his dad, so he's very invested in it. And he goes, I'm just curious about my business. And that's why I ask all the questions that I ask. And I said, well, have you ever said that to your team? Like, have you ever said to your team, you know, this is my baby and I'm just really passionate and I just really want to know. And he goes, well, no, they should know that. And I went, well, no. <laughs> but they could so, say intravenously dripped into your emotions. Yeah, so it's about building that relationship, not only with your client, but maybe the client staff and just all of them together and being able to go, well, okay, well, what is the issue here? And then helping them through that and really facilitate that. From a practical nature, do you think that's something you, you bring up during your um, work in progress meetings, perhaps? Do you sort of factor that in as a, no, not holding hands and kind of go, how are we all feeling? But um, how do you bring it into the conversation without it being a bit of a talk? Yeah, fest? so I don't say, you know, the whole, how are we feeling? Um, you know, people do find that a bit woo-woo, to be honest, and, and they don't really like that. So I think initially it's about building trust. So if you've got a good relationship with your client and you've built that trust, things will naturally just open up. And then it's you being actively listening with what's being said or what's not being said and challenging them and sort of using that as a bit of a tension and pulling that tension when it's needed. So when he was saying, well, I'm not a micromanager, I was able to go, well, actually, I think you are, might not intend to be a micromanager, but this is how it's coming across to your team. Why is that? Let's explore that. But you can't do that if you don't have a good relationship or if you haven't built that trust and influence or as an expert in what you're doing. And obviously in the in the incidents there, they needed to bring in an external person who was yes. then sort of the, the trust bridge. Yeah. Whether you were the yeah. person who they could trust. They and I think the other point is totally off topic with that, but I guess it links to emotional intelligence and clients. And um, I've seen it in myself and small businesses is, our, um, you know, once you've served the client and the engagement's finished, embrace that and, and don't be fearful of it. So you only can give so much value to a certain amount of time if you are engaged as a small business owner to go into a business for a certain amount of time. Um, I've seen some small businesses make mistakes and try and drag that out um, and then it decreases the value that they're giving. So like when that client, I finished three months earlier than I did, I had to really embrace that moment and go, okay, wasn't what I planned and it's thrown me out, affecting my OCD. Um, but you know what? I did the best I could. They've got the most value and, and it is time for me to move on. But what you then do is use that as opportunity to go, right, is there anyone else you can refer me to within your network that might need my services? Mm. And out of that, you can get a new client. So I think it's just be be self-aware. It goes back to that self-awareness of, you know, when have you served your purpose and when has when that ended? And back yourself when it's ended and go, it's okay. I've done what I needed to do and I am going to get that next client. I'm going to ask for a referral. Yeah, and I would be surprised if anybody did a really fantastic job and more business didn't come away from it Correct. either way. Because So yes. take pride in that, I guess. Yes. One thing that um, myself in my bookkeeping practice is that it's a little bit, um, it's a juggle when you start getting busy enough that you can turn away clients to decide which ones are not for you. Yes. And sometimes the personality fit is not there. Um, you might find that, you, you know, you might have sort of, you know, the hackles on the back of your neck go up and you think, there's something doesn't quite feel right with this person. How do you know you're not jumping to conclusions without really giving that opportunity, that client relationship a go? Or when do you trust those instincts? I know that's a really yeah. high end question, but how do you... Um, I think you've just got to trust that gut. Like everyone's got that inner voice that speaks. Um, and I think you've really got to 
be in tune with it and, and really listen to that voice. Um, I've Look, I've made mistakes. I've worked with clients when I started on in my business really early on um, just for cash flow purposes. And, and I knew, you know, you, you have that chase to win the client and then you win the client and then you get this sinking feeling of, oh, crap, aren't you <laughs> yeah. now got to do the work? Yeah, I didn't really want to work with that person. So I think that's probably a good indication that you don't want to really work with them. Yes. Or um, if the phone rings and you see their number pop up yeah. and you go, Ugh. Um, or the other time I've realized it is when I've taken on a client and I realized that our values aren't aligned. So, you know, they they do things that really compromise who, who I am and who I believe or they haven't taken my advice on. I won't work for arborists. Mm. <laughs> That's my, my greeny, passionate tree person coming out. I, I yeah. will not work with them. I will not give them my service. So think about values um, and think about that, you know, that gut feeling and also think about do you have that dread, you know, once you've sent that proposal and, and they've signed because you've still got that cooling off period and go, you know what, actually you know we're not a fit um but if you're clear on who you are and what you stand for it should be a pretty easy decision to make what's the best way to let that client go in your opinion um i've actually used the words that we are not a right fit and i will not be able to serve you to the best of my ability <gasps> but i can put you in touch with someone that can but doesn't that uh put you out there as being someone who is inflexible or no I think it's someone that's um, authentic it's true to themselves and there is so much power in being able to walk away and I think you, and I, honestly I think you'll be respected for it because I guess saying that the I'm too busy thing is a bit oh yeah look I probably wouldn't say I'm too busy um I would just say we're not we're not the right fit yeah um and I'm not going to be able to to serve you in your needs yeah at yeah. this moment in time or or you know I'm not the best expert in, in that issue that you need right now. And I always try and put them in touch with someone else if I can. That's right. And that's why being a part of a professional association is yes. always so useful because you can just direct them straight back to the professional Absolutely. association website and you know they're going to get someone good. Yeah. Yeah. So we have just covered off so much today. We've talked about using emotional intelligence for yourself and the way you conduct yourself both in an, in an environment versus even in your home life as yes. well. And we've talked about going down the rabbit hole and how to pull yourself back up again, not to mention the fact that using emotional intelligence when you're hiring people and working yes, with your staff we could go this has just gone so fast we could talk about this for hours yeah, and hours i'd love to have you come back on the show thank again thank you i'd yep. love to talk to you a little bit about the um the interview process because that completely eludes me yeah um, finding sure. the right people but i love your idea of talking about and not i think hoarding people. also if anyone does have any questions you know if they've got topics they they want us to talk about more than happy to absolutely to we've got the uh, small biz matters facebook page of course where we'll mention when um this uh, interview is available in full you can have a listen to that on the blogs and podcast pages on smallbizmatters.com.au and of course make sure you sign up to the newsletter to find out all the great things that are happening and the events that are happening in our local area <laughs> thanks for coming on the program thank Bush. you and of course tell us your website if people want to find out more about you yeah so it's um www.collaboratehr.com.au awesome and thank you once again we look forward to having you on thank in the next you. few weeks uh those of you who have been listening of course make sure you connect with us on facebook linkedin and all the other bits and pieces actually no that's it i only do two because it's too hard to monitor <laughs> the others um thank you for listening everyone we look forward to speaking to you next week this has been small biz matters and my name is alexi boyd